everybody welcome back to the upside swings draft podcast the podcast of the highest ceiling i'm your host bryce hendricks joined as always by the great stone hansen the wonderful ryan davis the great cooper klein and a guest here to talk about uh the great summer league uh corbin nba uh corbin ford one of the best guys to do it a uh, heart one of the hardest workers out there i mean this dude is all over the place uh corbin my friend how are you doing i'm doing good right it's good to be back with you guys um excited i'm happy it's you know, I love talking ball, man. So it's great. Thank you for the kind words too, because y'all, y'all too nice. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, this is this is one we've been waiting for. We knew as soon as, before, even before you went to summer league, we've been talking about doing this pod. So <laughs> this was this was inevitable. Um, Stone, my friend, how are you doing? Uh, doing well. Um, I've been taking a little bit of a break from basketball, so it's been nice to unwind. But uh, I'm excited to get back into it with Corbin here. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always good. You got to, you know, you got to that famous JJ Redick uh, saying where it's like he takes a month where he doesn't even touch a basketball. You know, sometimes you got to you got to let it breathe. Uh, Cooper, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. You know, I've been moving in for the past couple of days, but I'm feeling real good. Ready to, you know, just been grinding some summer league, ready to talk some ball. Yeah, absolutely. This, uh, the moving process into, into college apartments is, uh, it's just sort of weird. Uh, Davis last, last member of the call. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm enjoying, enjoying a day off, just enjoying, uh, being back on a a podcast, talking basketball. Absolutely. And, uh, this is probably going to be the second to last like 2021 draft podcast we do. We had to talk about summer league. Summer league was huge. Um, a ton of, you know, the people on my Twitter timeline were there, heard a ton of great stories about how it was going. Of course, our friend Corbin was there. So before we dive into any basketball stuff, I just wanted to ask you, how was your trip, man? It seemed like you were having a great time. I know you did SBC. So just let us know, you know, how was Vegas? It was good. It was my first time. I mean, I've been trying to get to Vegas out there for a couple of years. So it was really cool to finally have have had the chance to do that it was a lot you know I got to see my, my hero Michael Beasley you know I um I ran into I mean who else I ran to Giannis that was kind of neat um Wesley Johnson you know shout out to last from the past there but aside from that I mean I met a lot of really cool people I met people that had been like again like you said Twitter friends that you had I'd known for years and never actually like met in person so that was both surreal and like super cool to have done that I mean so many to even name but it was a lot of fun and then of course the program itself uh, I had an absolute blast, you know, connecting, learning and, and just having fun. So it was like basketball nirvana. You know, I think I spent, gosh, I don't know, like the first like four days was like just all basketball, you know, um, just completely. And it was a lot of fun um, trying to get you my own like perspective and try to do some scouting and looking a different way. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. It, it, it went by both super slow and way too fast. Like I'm still recovering now from like getting myself recalibrated from like staying out way too late on the day I flew out to then have to go to work the next day. So a lot of fun there, but no, it was, it was, it was an amazing experience. I can't wait till, uh, till next year. Yeah, absolutely. That's great to hear. Uh, Vegas is a, is a, just a weird place, man. There's, Seriously. There's no place I've been. That's more just like, it's so extreme all the time. It's, it's, you know, sort of like American excess, like, everywhere it's like the most obvious like 
there's giant M&Ms, there's a mini Paris. It's it's nuts. Seriously. Uh, yeah. So oh, yeah. So Vegas is a crazy place, but man, that's awesome to hear. Uh, I'm hoping to go to SBC next year, but uh, yeah, that that um, it just seems like an awesome experience. And yeah, so many of the queer friends were there, and just I'm just so glad you got to go. Like it's awesome to hear that you had so much fun. Um, but this is not a vacation recap podcast. Sadly, <laughs> we'll save that for another day. We are here to talk about some interesting players. Um, we're gonna start big. Uh, because the rookie performers, there were some really interesting ones. Um, we're just going to start at the very top. Uh, Kate Cunningham sort of had an interesting summer league. He looked all the parts of a number one pick in a lot of instances. Um, he was, it was very impressive as a shooter, uh, looked really solid, kind of trying to distribute, though his teammates, uh, similar to Oklahoma State, were not always capitalizing on the shots created for them. Uh, but he didn't get to the line much, and there's still some worry about whether or not he can really be a primary. Uh, not that Summer League is necessarily the place to fully answer that, but Corbin, I want to ask you, did you get a see Cade? And if you did, like, what are sort of your your takeaways from what you saw? I did. I got to see two games specifically. Uh, his match against the Rock- match against the Rockets and Jalen Green. Uh, that was fun. It was a nice buzz in the arena. And then um, his really good shooting performance against the Knicks. Um, noticed that as well. And my takeaways, I mean, he seemed, you know, worthy of the number one pick. It was some moments that it was, it was funny. You know, this, I feel like the last two draft class, at least that I've like actually paid attention to have been scouted to the point of like over scouting. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm looking for his shaky hand. I'm looking for this and that. And it was really kind of funny to see um, a lot of what you guys have said on your show, like come to fruition in the game. Like, Oh yeah. Like the scouting report did say that, you know, he gets kind of shaky when he gets into the lane or whatever the case may be. I thought it was very funny um to actually watch it play out but he he had his moments I, I think I was more impressed with the Knicks game just because he shot so well I think it was like seven of ten from three um but it looked good to the point that like he had some shots I was like oh yeah that's it. I wasn't even looking at him I was really trying to focus on Obi Top and that's why I was like trying to do like kind of like scouting on to see how he's improved and I found myself just drawn to K just the way he was able to kind of control the floor um and in Houston the same way he had a really strong game there as well uh, I do feel like some of the shakiness in terms of the handle did come to bite him, especially like aggressive defense kind of messed with him a little bit, but all in all, I mean, if you had any questions about him being number one, I think that you, you, um, or if you had any doubt about it, like you weren't like walking away going, see, I knew he wasn't like, no, he, he played like someone who was like clearly, you know, better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the shooting was, was insane. And it's, yes. it's still crazy to think about that two years ago, we were like, can Cade shoot? Because I mean, he he literally looked like Michael Porter Jr. out there. Like it was really like in terms of how the shot looks coming out of his hands, just that you're never questioning whether it goes in. Uh, I, I was really impressed. Um, Stone, what what were your sort of Cade Cunningham takeaways uh, from summer league? If there's any, um, just let us know. Yeah, um, I mean, I've been on record in terms of saying like, for the most part, my evaluations pretty much stay the same as they were pre-draft. I think it's just very difficult to pull anything new out of summer league that you didn't already sort of cover uh, before then. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cade shooting is obviously like um, there. There is a solid case that he was the best shooter of the class, and uh, we don't have to go back every year. But like, I don't think that's super common. That like the best player in the class is also the best shooter in the class. Um, that's might not even be his best skill so it's pretty crazy 
to just like contextualize that because um, it's not something that I think happens very often. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's so good. Um, he's obviously playing not fantastic uh, with fantastic teammates like Oklahoma. Um, but, you know, it, in, you can see what would happen when he plays with like <clears throat> real rotation players on the Pistons. Um, when he's, you know, passing out to Kelly Olenek or if he's um, Kaylian Hayes is making a skip pass to him. Um, you just, you can envision, you know, what he does um, and how he does it at NBA level and how it translates. So th there's really nothing there for me <clears throat> that I learned new about Cade. It was just um, validating what I already knew beforehand. Yeah. And, and, and I think my, my one sort of takeaway from from this performance from Cade is that it's still just like he's still gonna he's still gonna be a rookie and I, and I hope people aren't expecting him to immediately step up and be like Luka Doncic was as a rookie because he clearly struggled a little bit with sort of the athleticism he was playing against specifically um he got affected by a couple digs in that Rockets game that I thought looked pretty you know th those are pretty standard digs he's gonna see from from NBA defenders that he's gonna have to get used to but uh Corbin you mentioned you were out that Rockets game. Uh, so I just tell me about the atmosphere and then let us know. Uh, and, and then I'm going to get Cooper's take on this because I'm very excited to hear. Let us know what you think about that sort of trio of Rockets rookies that you saw there. Alfred Sengun, Jalen Green, and Josh Christopher. Uh, just let us know. Okay, so the, the what I liked the most about that game was I knew, you know, all of us basketball fans, you see, we see a key matchup. And I feel like the buzz that you feel I, in my mind, my philosophy on this is that everyone kind of generates their own individual buzz. So I already had mine like, okay, here we go. Like, let's make it happen. We came in and it was just all around. Um, it was a lot of fun. And I had some summer league vets I was sitting with who were like, well, you know, it's not as crazy as it was when Zion came, which is cool. But like, you know, I'm like, Hey, this is my buzz. You know, it's my moment. So it was cool. Um, I thought it was, it was, it was exciting. Uh, you had like little independent, um, like chanting circles on different sides of the arena, depending on whatever player and I guess family or friends or, you know, fandom had, had been there. Um, especially when you had Cade and Jalen match up. I know you had one part where I think Jalen, or J I don't remember, think Jalen hit a three on Cade, like Cade was like late to recover to catch and shoot. And like Jalen had some words for him on that. And like, there was like a little buzz over there. It was nice. Like the competitiveness in it was neat. Um, and like, as I was trying to be as like, you know, very, and like trying to like really watch the game from a just, uh, analysis level as a fan man I, I couldn't resist I was like yes um but Houston is what I found myself turning my attention to because I've always I'm I have a type when it comes to basketball Jalen Green fits that type to a T um so I found myself just loving that kid I mean the way he puts the ball in the basket it's great I mean he's gonna be great fitting in at least from that perspective alone um and he was enjoyable Josh Christopher too had like his own type of version of that I feel like I was not super aware of him before coming in so after having watched him in that game I did go back and watch um a few more I was like okay who is this kid and I think he's like kind of a gunner type um I am impressed by the fact that he sometimes does play some defense or at least gets in there every once in a while which for that type of archetype of player you don't usually see that <laughs> you know it's like all right I know what I'm here to do when it's shoot the ball um whether or not that's his actual job but he did seem to at least try at certain points so I did like that and Alperin Sengun, I feel bad because I'm a big fan of the show. Obviously, I listen to it. I kind of know where he fits among you guys for the most part, but I love him. He is he is just post goals. He is dope. 
Um, you know, he had a couple threes. I'm like, is that dude? He didn't look, I mean, he's six nine. He kind of like looking at him, I was like, equal parts, wow, he's big. Wow, he's not half as big as I thought he'd be. Like, it was weird in that way. But the way he had such voice, he had such great touch. Uh, he had a couple moves I was very impressed by. And I'm like, you know what? Forget Jalen Green. Let's build around him. And then I came back to my senses because I hadn't eaten all day. So, but it was good. It was good. <laughs> You, you mentioned the, the height, and that's something that I know a lot of people question. So, <clears throat> you being there firsthand, mm-hmm. give us give us your take on how how tall you think he is, and we'll use that moving forward because you were there. So, okay, you know what's funny? So he's like six nine. He maybe it's because his wingspan was short. He was like, okay, both teams kind of went small for a moment. So he was big, but not in like a big way, like it could have been a wing player. Like those moments he was posting up and I'm sitting there going like, you think you have the advantage there? You know what I mean? Like it was weird in that way, but he was effective. I mean, I'm going to say, I think I noticed it more on defense. I think only because he got into good spots on defense. Like he was able to like stand, like I guess Ryan said the charge circle in a way that made it tough. But at the same time, like he's doesn't look that big. Like, you know, he's standing there like, oh, I'm the rim protector. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't feel it. Um, So I'm going to say he, uh, that's tough. I'm going to say he looked about like 6'9". I mean, I remember looking at him and knowing clearly he was like the bigger guy, but also realizing for the position that he was that he should be bigger in my head. You know, it was definitely different. Um, Very uh, Luis Scola-like, I guess. He definitely looked smaller than Matt Hurt, uh, <laughs> at least to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a comp, Luis Scola, one that'll probably make Coop happy. But Coop, uh, you're obviously the relative Rockets fan here. So I want to get your take on the Rockets rookies, their performances, and uh, whether or not you're with Corbin on the offer in Sengun Love. Uh, well, first things first, uh, I have a Luis Scola signed basketball. It's my prized possession. Oh, my gosh. It's the coolest thing I own. <laughs> my- That's dope. <laughs> Wait, don't do you own a friend's T-shirt, though? Yeah. Oh, oh well, that, that's that's number two. It's not signed by friends. So Okay. But, but that, uh, that's, yeah. Uh-huh. And another thing about Scola, uh, back in the in the mid aughts, they used to sell Luis Scola wigs. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. No, and uh, and my family owned a few. I'm not gonna lie, they they were beautiful. I don't know where they are. I'll, I'll see if I can find them at some point and dig them out and take some okay. pictures. But yeah, yeah, one day I'll, I'll find them. But okay, back to the serious stuff. <laughs> so the uh, the Cade Green matchup, uh, I thought Green killed killed Cade. Cade looked awful. He looked yeah. <laughs> compared to Green, I'm with you. I mean compared to Cade, I'm with you. Yeah, Green was Green was Green, Green, Green was incredible. I thought his off-ball scoring was the really impressive part. Uh that's the re- thing that really differentiates him from other guys of his archetype is that his off-ball footwork, speed, smarts unstoppable. Uh him and KPJ both really well I think will work together well in that way in the league. I thought KPJ showed a lot of off ball stuff this season. So I think that'll be a really interesting combo, but uh, Josh Christopher, I think was the most surprising rookie for me. I think he didn't have very much space in college and being having, you know, guys who are, you know, they're actually playing a system and he has a bit more spacing in the NBA and he was able to get into that short mid range and knock it down automatic every time it was just, it was it'd be a fader, a step back. As soon as he got into that short mid range, you knew the ball was going in the basket. Even he, he had some great like hook finishes, all this stuff. He looked incredible. 
until he got outside of like 18 feet and then and then, <laughs> and then he didn't look so incredible it's like that 2k shot thing where you know you yeah. have like a, a, six, yeah. a 78 from mid-range and a 53 from the three-point line and the minute you step outside you just plummet <laughs> yeah yeah it's like you take one step by the three-point line it's like yeah the ball's not going in no more <laughs> and then a sengun so the things that really surprised me about him were his free throw tanking and how he would just get in there and get slapped every time because he's, you know, just able to move so well in there with his footwork. And then his, his dynamic passing was really incredible to me. I like a lot of the film, you really just see that it's very standstill and he's making a lot of designed reads, but his dynamic passing was incredible to me. It gave me a lot of hope for him, <laughs> you know, I think he was able to, in the scheme, show a bit more than he was. Uh, maybe that's just Silas. I mean, Silas is just the greatest coach of all time, uh, him and Will Weaver. <laughs> but I, I didn't like the defense as much. He had some good moments. But as soon as teams found out that he fell for every single pump fake, it was just kind of he was Swiss cheese. They'd get into the lane, throw the laziest pump fake ever, and he'd just go flying. And you could really see that in the last couple of games. But for those first few games, when guys would just go up with it, he was getting he was getting some nice blocks. So, what I found really impressive about this this trio was just Jalen Green as a shot maker is so comfortable with both positive and negative momentum, stepping back or, or stepping into a pull up. It's it's just really impressive. There are quite a few shooters who only really have one in their bag at his age uh, and have to sort of work to develop the other one. I mean, some of the step backs he was pulling off, creating so much space, uh, just it just really impressed me. Um, but Cade did get that block. So uh, let's let's not let's not forget that, Coop. Let's not forget that. Uh, Coop is, uh, is, is, is far too in on this rookie squad. Uh, but Davis, I want to get your opinion on these guys too. Um, just sort of what, what did you think about how they might fit together? Because I think that's sort of what we haven't got to yet is I, I think there's still some, some interesting team building stuff to be solved there. So how do you think the three of those players kind of fit together? Yeah, I mean, I, I like like the three of them together, um, but I just think it's going to be a little tough to get Christopher um, in there with, with KPJ and Green. Um, I mean, unless you – if he does, you know, turn out to be like a starting caliber um, NBA player, you can't really put him at the three because he is a little undersized unless you run three guards. Um, so you might have like – that little problem there, but as far as like Sungun, I like him um, next. I think he can play next to Wood, of course, if if he if he gets to that level as well. Um, but as far as like the three together in summer league, I thought they actually fit really well. Um, Jalen Green and, and Christopher. Christopher is the is obviously the the more defensive minded guard, um, and and actually impressed me with his with his um, pull ups and and shots he was taking and he still took some some questionable shots I think that was my main thing with him at in college too um but I thought they fit really well I mean I I figured they they would be um pretty solid and they would have a lot of opportunity just due to the the current 
um, Rockets roster, but um, I, I liked how they fit. I think they they can fit in the in on the real roster too um, if they do develop into into those uh, type of players. But um, obviously, KPJ and Green is 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 the main thing to look forward to with that team, and I think it's going to be a really fun duo that'll that'll pan out. Yeah, that, that's a good breakdown. And I, that leads me to one question about these guys and, and sort of the Rockets as a whole going forward. And this can kind of be up to anyone. Um, do you guys think Alperin Sengun is a good enough passer to be the best passer on the court? Um, and, and like for that to be a good offense? If Jalen Green and, and KPJ are out there, um, and like Alperin Sengun will probably be tasked with being the best passer on the court. Uh, whether it be in the short roll or sort of running DHOs or even at the elbow, like just in general, do you, do you think he reaches that threshold as a passer to do that? Corbin, I'll throw it to you first. I mean, are we comparing this to like his rocket, like constituent, like his other teammate, like, like a green or just like that in general, or just like his just, like team in the future? Just in general. So if this team kind of grows together with this as the core, do you mm-hmm. think he can be like, like the offensive hub for this team, at least in terms of playmaking, if Jalen Green is going to be your sort of most like highest usage player, but he's Jalen Green flashed moments as a passer, but he's never going to be like the best passer on a good offense. I don't think that's just not his game. Yeah. Do you think Sengun can be that? Uh, I'm high on Sengun. I don't know. I don't, I tend to trend towards no. I do think he's shown some solid flashes. I do think that it's possible. Um, but I feel like certain like passes that become that hub already like have some of that in there. Maybe he could be like a Mason Plumley type passer, where you know, like for brief moments with a certain amount of team, he can like function as that guy. But like Mason Plumley, if he's like the main hub of your team offensively, I mean, see Detroit two years ago, like it's not super great. Um, I think in moments though, like for spurts, maybe you know, yeah, like carrying a second unit perhaps or something of that sort. But like if we're building around him and going, you know what, like next to our point guard, next we give the ball to Sangoon, I, I want to say yes, but I'm going to say no. I don't, I don't think so right now. No, that's fair. And, and I and I love I love that we have Corbett on here who's super high on Sangoon because like we said, we've notably not been super high, but he did look legitimately really interesting here. And I'm excited yeah. to have this sort of uh, this sort of other person here to, to, to give the other take. But I'm also glad you you you're not uh, outrageously high so much that you think he is a uh, gonna be an offensive superstar, Nikola Jokic. Um, not like but... uh, some people who think he'll be Demontis Sabonis out Ooh. of the high post or something. I, okay. So, uh, there, there's, there's Sabonis some... is so underrated as a he is. He is, he is so absolutely underrated. underrated. Um, people just see a big man who could throw the ball a little bit, and they're like, "That's that's Sabonis." Uh, he kicked Sabonis, it out to the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Sabonis DHOs are legitimately some of the most fun plays in the NBA. Uh, if you guys have some time, just just go watch an old Pacers game and just watch him operate those DHOs with like Karis Levert. It's very fun. Um, but Stone, do you have a thought on this uh, Albert Sengun best passer on a, on an offense? Yeah, uh, I actually I didn't watch a ton of summer league. I guess I'll, I should have prefaced that beforehand. But I did watch like two or three games of the Rockets, so I got a, a decent feel for them in, in terms of how they performed there. Um, <clears throat> with Sangoon, I think he sees himself as that. I think um, like in Summer League, you're 
I think these guys are given more freedom than they'll they'll probably have on their NBA teams. Like, I, like we saw Sangoon. I remember a specific play. I forget exactly who it was against, but he went and and Josh Christopher was doing a a, a cut down um, from the top of the key down to the basket, and then Sangoon um, hit uh, Christopher's defender came over to Sangoon and Sangoon tried to do uh, the classic Jokic over the top of the head pass to Christopher and it ended up being a turnover. So stuff like that, I think he thinks he's capable of it, but it, it's not exactly polished yet. Um, and I'm not sure he'll have that sort of uh, freedom or leeway early on. Uh, that, that's sort of the thing I think a coach <laughs> would maybe try and pull, pull you if you try to pull that off in an NBA game. Um, so stuff like that, I think, is is probably not going to fly, at least early on. And I think, um, like, the Rockets might envision Kevin Porter Jr. as, as legitimately as a point guard. Um, I'm not sure if he is that, but in terms of how the Rockets see it, they, they could see it that way. So I'm not sure if he'll ever be sort of the, that sort of guy where he's your, your big man offensive hub, um, where the majority of your offense runs through him. Um, but like like Corbin was saying, as as sort of a um, complimentary passer as in as a big man, I think um, he can be he has the upside to totally be fine in that role. Um, <clears throat> I did like that he was you know attempting threes. I know that's something me and Bryce were lower on in terms of his three point shooting and volume, but um, you know again he he seems to consider himself. I think. Um, like most of these guys, right? Most rookies are going to think of themselves, I think, more than what they are. Um, I was interesting. It was interesting to me to see that they were using Garuba as a center um, at a lot of points. Uh, uh, he's not going to get that sort of time, I think, on the Rockets being a center with Tice, Wood, Sangoon, um, even uh, Kenyon there. So. <coughs> I was something I was thinking, I'm not sure how you guys feel about it. Is there a chance we see the Rockets maybe try and force Gruba into um, like a forward role, like a, even a three at times to try and push him to shoot more threes and be more comfortable in that? Because obviously they're not going to go too far this season as a team. So maybe it's a, a year to sort of experiment and, and maybe this is sort of a way to develop Garuba as more of a shooter and get more comfortable and, and force him into that. Um, so I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. I think that's very possible. Um, I, I honestly think it's sort of necessary. I, 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 I've been on record saying I don't think Garuba can be a positive NBA center for huge minutes. I don't think that's his ideal role. Um, I think you want to develop him as a forward to take advantage of that defense. Um, but yeah, uh, that that was a great breakdown, Stone. Uh, I, I just want to say that if we can get uh, Kevin Porter Jr. 30% usage season, I will be so happy. Um, nothing, nothing would make my year more than just seeing him full point guard, 13 assists, 40 shots a game, just, just, just go all out. Um, we spent a lot of time on these on these Rockets rookies and Cade. Um, so I, I, I want to kind of go rapid fire with you, Corbin. Um, who were some other rookies that really stood out or rookie duos? You know, the Magic had two lottery rookies. The Warriors had two lottery rookies. Who else in sort of this rookie class really stood out to you as, as a really interesting player at the next level? 
Okay, so you got me. The first time when you asked who stood out to me, I, Franz Wagner did, but not in the right way. So maybe I shouldn't go into him. I liked Jalen Suggs um, athletically. Like, I knew and heard about it, but, like, man, like, he is something else. I know that tip dunk was pretty solid, but he had a, a couple of plays above the rim and, you know, able to flash his speed and really make the most of that. I, I really enjoyed that. Scotty Barnes defensively, I mean, it's been talked about. It's kind of his real strength, but, like, he really flexed that, you know, that was something that you immediately noticed. And um, if you're a fan of that, then you absolutely do love it. I, I was, I've heard something like, eh, whatever. And I'd seen and, you know, done some like, I don't know, compared to y'all, nothing, but like some scouting, like looking into it, but like, it is a whole different animal, like up close and personal. I mean, I also like the fact that even though like his shooting struggles are real, um, he didn't shy away from shooting it. I mean, yeah, it made his numbers look a little uglier, but like the fact that he did take basically three a game, was pretty solid. Um, someone who's not going to back down from it, yet to hope that if he continues to shoot it, you know, he doesn't have a, doesn't have a confidence issue. I don't think he has that issue at all uh, after having heard and seen him in the games. That doesn't seem to be something he lacks. Uh, and so maybe you could look at that to be encouraging in terms of projecting out, okay, if the shot gets better, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, that's a dog going off, that is. All right, Jonathan Kaminga. I thought was really interesting. I mean, not just for the highlight, um, like crossover dunk he had, but like you can just see, I, I'm just like the potential of like this raw athlete really being kind of molded in the warrior system. Um, maybe learning how to, you know, get one main, okay, stick to corner three, um, you know, play solid defense, like rein it in a little bit, but like just seeing him play, um, just having that free reign and, and seeing what he can do with it. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I got to go back to Jalen green. I mean, the dude gets buckets, man. And he does it so simple. And like, like Hooper said off ball is almost as good as, in, in, as good as he is on ball. Like he's going to find a way to score whether or not he's getting it as the, you know, primary initiator or someone coming off down screens, whatever the case may be, he's going to get the ball in the bucket. So I enjoyed um, him, especially uh, Moody as well. I thought Moody had some solid moments, especially as like this three and B guy that like we all kind of saw, um flashes some more offensive potential so he had a couple of nice finishes in the lane um there's more to him than just that and then i mean i guess i have to bring up mobley he, i saw him um <laughs> that didn't sound very i'm sorry that wasn't a, a rest of confidence i don't know i thought he played solid i mean he didn't have you know half as strong a, a debut as everyone else did um and he didn't shoot the three ball well which i was kind of hoping to see um, but he made some nice passes and defensively he switched well. So there's positives there for him as well. So there, I got, got something good for everyone. <laughs> Here we go. No, that was, that was great. Uh, I'm, I want to go back to Jalen Suggs. Um, you mentioned that you were super impressed by his athleticism. Uh, and I think that's something that I don't want to say I questioned, but I didn't quite think that the burst was all the way there to make up for his lack of handle because he really does not have a very deceptive handle um, and he can be really bothered by pressure. Do you think the burst um, is legit that he can still get into the lane with, with relative ease, despite not having a great handle? I think up to a point. Um, I mean, I guess you do have to take it with the caveat that this was summer league. And so, you know, this is the type of game where if you're like a great raw athlete or super skilled at doing, you know, some of that stuff stands out in a good way for you. Um, I I think that it will at a certain point. The tougher defensive teams are going to put a stop to that real quick, I think, in terms of mitigating that in a, in a much um, more effective way. You know, you play your Warriors, your I mean, not your Warriors, your Lakers, your Heat, the Bucks. Like, when they turn that thing up a notch, it's going to be hard to just run through those guys. It's not going to happen. He will have to definitely tighten that up. Um, but for the most part, I don't see him being super stressed by it, except for, like, the creme de la creme of defenses there. Because 
you know, you do have that, that speed factor. Um, and even guys who may not have the most advanced dribbling, I, I can't, I'm brought to bring up guys who do have that, but like it shows that speed can be a factor in the NBA um, up to a certain point. And I think that Suggs has enough of a handle to like hide it against, you know, I'd say most of the teams. Um, and then there's going to be like 10 teams that's going to take his lunch, I think, or, or at least do that if he tries to like just burst past them. He's going to have to at least attempt to kind of diversify his dribbling game a little bit. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a that's a good breakdown. I, I think he's the type of person who he's gonna put up some crazy stats and and you'll kind of pull up splits versus good defenses and bad defenses. And I just think like he's gonna he's gonna kill bad defenses, undisciplined defenses, and like that's just his thing. He's he he knows how to exploit their weaknesses. Um, but that was that was great. Um Cooper, I want to ask you, uh Corbin Corbin uh hit on Moses Moody. Um, I love Moses Moody. Uh, I, you do as well. Um, I thought he looked really good as a passer in summer league. I was really impressed by his just consistent ability to make the right play. I feel like he didn't have one turnover. I didn't look at summer league stats because the summer league stat page is miserable. If you try and look through it, it is like absolute killer. So I, I, I refuse to do that to myself, but, um, from what I saw, I don't think I saw a single turnover and he just looked consistently great. So Coop, what do you think of Moses Moody specifically as a passer and how that helps him more as like an on-ball upside type guy? Uh, well, his passing was really the thing to me that unlocked his upside. The rest of it, you kind of look at it and go, oh, well, you know, he's kind of a, a decent off the dribble scorer who can hit spot ups and all that. But the passing is the thing that makes him a real threat, especially because his his off the dribble moves are so slow. Like it's so it's so ridiculous against to see to watch him go against real NBA athletes versus college guys and see that like he looks visibly slower in these moves. Uh, and it wasn't something that I super noticed in college. You could kind of tell, but it's it's so drastic against NBA athletes and. So him having that passing really changes that from, oh, well, you know, he's going to get blocked no matter what in this pass, you know, or in this shot, you know, he's going to, he's going to go up for the shot. He's not going to make the right read if we send the double or whatever, but it makes him a real threat and unlocks him turning into, you know, like an offensive threat and not just a scorer that really makes him, you know, that's what makes him Moses Moody, you know, the, the fifth, fifth highest prospect on my board so i i love the passing display i thought you know he even has a little bit more that i i don't think he was able to show because the warriors suck but you know he is he looked great i yeah oh go ahead Stone. i was gonna say moody's passing i think is one of in the entire draft one of the most underrated like aspects of, of the entire draft I, and a lot of people don't bring it didn't bring it up but I think it was probably like one of his best aspects of his game honestly where it maybe just the role he played um he wasn't able to showcase it as much in college but he's um especially like as a stationary passer he sees things very well um and with those long arms you know he's able to propel passes or, or wrap around even um when he's not finishing because he's not a good finisher um so there's a lot of aspects to his passing that I think go uh, either unnoticed or just not talked about very much. 
um, when I think, especially in a system like the Warriors, where it can really um, showcase it to, to its highest degree, I think it's something that um, we're going to see more and more of, and he's going to get better at, um, hopefully, uh, as an on-ball passer or, or uh, in terms of like a creator. Um, but a lot of his passes, uh, again, are, are stationary. But they're like you see, he sees a lot of things visionary wise um, that most people don't see. I think, um, and it, it can unlock. I think, like Cooper said, another level or aspect to his game that um, maybe wasn't something that a lot of people tend to uh, cope with his name. Yeah, I yeah, I, I really like that breakdown. I think he's the type of person who throws passes that, like in hindsight, look obvious. Like you see the pass, and you're like, oh, like obviously he made that pass, and then he'll sort of rack up seven assists. But they're just always really sound. He always puts them in the right place. I mean, he found Kaminga for a couple of dunks in transition that looked that just like looked really smooth. He was really good at sort of getting the defense to commit to him and then making the pass. Um, but there's two rookies we didn't quite hit on yet that I want to ask Corbin about because um, they are the co-MVPs of Summer League. Um, I got to ask, Corbin, did you get to see Davion Mitchell or Cam Thomas? And if you did, what, what were your thoughts? So I feel like mine's going to be skewed. I did get to see them, but only like their big moments, like Cam Thomas going on just shooting, scoring spree, and then Davion Mitchell was defense. So I feel all I got is the archetypes of what I knew from them kind of going in. You know, I both had that rep of kind of bringing that. And then what I saw, um, which is a very small sample size, I will say one thing, like, I think you giving, giving someone like Cam Thomas space, um, or at least more space than I guess he had in college, like the dude, the monster. Um, and like, I'm not sure he's definitely not going to get a chance to really flex that too much. I don't think at least in Brooklyn, but like potentially down the line, he could um, be in that kind of scoring off the bench. I, I do see potential there. Um, Davon Mitchell's nice. I, I'm, I still don't like him in Sacramento. I'm sorry, but like I do like they gets after it. And I feel like some of the hype I was sitting, this guy was like, Oh, he can play. Like he can play a bunch of um, defense positions. I'm like, no, no, I don't think he can. I think it's going to be just like point guard and maybe shooting guard. Like, like this guy was like obviously either a, a, a family member of him or like a long term best friend. Um, but he was hyping up his defense, like, oh my gosh, one through four. And it's like, no, hard no. But, anyways, like, I do think that he really does get after it. And the fact that he, um, I don't know, I, I still words out on his offense for me, like full term, um, especially just from what I knew about it going in. Um, although when I saw him, it wasn't horrible, but like, I like both of them, but again, it's just, it's largely motivated from like the one game I saw that was like their signature moment. You know, I think um, Davion's was not this, not the championship, but like two games before that. And then of course, Cam, Cam Thomas, the one where he like scored with the second most points in the summer league. So that's where I'm at on both those guys. Intriguing. I just don't think, I don't know. I think Cam Thomas going to take a little more time to, to make some noise. And as far as Mitchell's concerned, <sighs> Sacramento, I don't know. <laughs> Cam Thomas is just such a nuts shot maker, man. I can't remember if it was the game winner or the one that tied it, but like it was like an off one foot three, like with forward momentum mm -hmm. over Corey Kispert. And it's just like, that's, that's not a shot. He should be hitting that comfortably. Um, Davis, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, there were questions about how good of a shooter Davion Mitchell was. And then he comes to summer league and he shoots 40% on high volume. And a lot of, a lot of them were, were pretty difficult pull-ups or step backs were you were you more impressed by his shot? Is this sort of what you expected? Uh, how are you feeling about that jumper for Davion? Um, I mean, I didn't expect it to be 
forty percent. I I still really don't think it it'll be like forty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is good to 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 see that. Um, but but I was expecting, um, you know, about about like in mid thirties or so. Uh, for Davion I do still think he'll be around there but it's really good to, to keep seeing him improve in in the shooting area that, that was one of his main things other than his other than his height and his size but and his age of course but um, I, I it's really good to see see him him shooting good um, if he gets that shot down and keeps it there I, I it, it's hard to to say he's not an NBA player at, at that point yeah, he he just looked really comfortable, and it's still sort of a weird trebuchet release where he's he's like it takes a little bit to get off, but it, it's hard to deny the result that it went in. Um, but I think that's probably it for rookies. Uh, I would say scouting rookies is sort of the least effective part of summer league, um, at least like the highly drafted rookies, because uh, generally, I mean, we just spend a whole cycle learning about them, trying to figure out what they are. I feel like there's a lot less to gain. Uh, I think the real value of summer league is in trying to figure out have sophomores improve or have these sort of back end role players. Do they deserve a roster spot? Um, so with that, I want to move on to some sophomores. And Corbin, you mentioned you were trying to scout Obi Toppin, see if he improved, see how he looked. Uh, his teammate Emmanuel quickly also there. Um, how, just give us the scouting report on those two, the Knicks, the Knicks uh, young core per se, and, and what you're thinking about them moving forward. Okay, we'll start with quickly. I, I like quickly. I think quickly had moments where he kind of was reckless with it, but for the most part, I looked at quickly and I saw someone who like didn't really deserve to be there. You know what I mean? I saw someone who was like clear above his matchup and, you know, could get to the lane and, and looked just really quick, really deceptive, you know, as far as like penetrating, getting involved. He was obviously, I think with the mindset of I'm just going to go score. Like, he did have some good games where he racked up assists, but it just I mean, he was just trying to, like, you know, go up there and and just have one of those uh, pro-am kind of deals. So I um I liked him enough. I think that he definitely had, like, some – I don't even want to say some improvement. He just didn't look like he didn't have to be there, which I think to me is a good sign for Summer League because, like, for the most part, if you are, you know, <laughs> if you do belong – if you do deserve to be there, you're either just starting out or, you know, something's gone terribly wrong. Um, Speaking of terribly wrong, Obi Toppin, I – I don't know. I just I, <laughs> that might have been the best segue we've ever had on this. <laughs> I spent the entire game that Kate Cunningham went off on three watching will be topping. And when you talk about somebody who like it's almost like if I had read Sky reports on Obi Toppin, fell asleep for two whole years, woke up and watched a summer league game. I couldn't tell a difference. Like everything that was good about him is still good. And everything that was, it was, it was ridiculous. Like I have detailed notes about him trying to set a pick and, and not actually getting any contact and just rolling or, or even worse, just popping on the wing. Like he's going to get the ball on ISO running to the corners. He had some nice threes, had a couple of nice, like pull up J's, but defensively, everything's wrong. It's like me when I get behind the wheel, like, like the entire process is just not fundamentally sound. Like it is, it is rough. Um, I was not impressed. I was horrified, to be quite honest with you. Like this is this is who they drafted away eighth. I, I did not like it. Um, I watched another game of his just to make sure that like, I wasn't just falling into the you know small sample size theater. Um, in overreaction, and he looked a little better. But like, granted, he still defensively is it, the warts are there, and offensively, like his shot changed from shot to shot. Like he had some wide open threes. He knocked down confidence. He had something he missed by a mile. It, it was um. 
I just wasn't impressed with him. I mean, if you could tell, if you guys couldn't tell, I, I didn't like Obi Toppin's summer performance. You know, he he dunks he dunks really cool though. So I mean, there's that. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, but for sure, I, I'm with you 100. Like that's that's always been my issue with Obi Toppin is it's just like he just misses all the little things. Like it, it's you know there are plenty of prospects who have little warts, right? And that you got to try and get out, but. He's a really, really horrendous defensive rotator. Oh uh, he just, he just, like, for someone with his bounce off a two-step, like, you'd think maybe there's some upside as a rim-protecting four there, and there just isn't because he, he just doesn't rotate. He sort of stands still, or he's just slow to process what's going on. Um, yeah, I was – he put up good stats, and I think, you know, I've seen some Knicks fans, like, really happy with how he played, and I just – I didn't see it. I was really – I, I walked away sort of worried about uh, what he really looks like as an NBA player. Um, it kind of reminded me a lot of Kevin Knox um, in terms of just like missing all the little things that make a good NBA player, having sort of the rough outline of like a good NBA forward, but none of the detail it takes to, to really succeed. Um, but let's move on. Let's be a little positive. Someone who really impressed me, someone who I was super high on in last year's draft, Aaron Neesmith of the Boston Celtics. Uh, I was blown away by how he played. He looked very confident on pull-ups. He was he was not playing like a sophomore who just spent a year in the NBA and has two more years on his contract. He looked like he was fighting for his life out there. I mean, the motor was, was really impressive. Corbin, did, I, the Celtics probably weren't a priority for anyone in summer league. But did you get a chance to see Aaron Neesmith? And and obviously, you know, we've heard the Peyton Pritchard 92 points at a pro-am in, in the middle of summer league. Did you get to see Boston at all? Did, was there anyone that sort of impressed you? I watched a little bit of Boston. Um, I was with one of the buddies who's like a big, one of the guys I met at summer league. In fact, totally random. But we had like a trade, like a mock trade kind of deadline to activity. And we were offered Neesmith. And I'm like, yeah, he's okay. And the guy was like, no, you have to get him. Like, did you see him in the playoffs? Like, he's improved so much. I'm like, calm down, dude. But I did watch. And, like, he – I watched – I think he had I, – I watched – I only watched half of the game. I think he had, like, 30-something. Um, But, like, I – like, he definitely looks improved. I mean, the shooting we already knew was there. There's a lot more poise, I think. Um, And another guy who, who clearly didn't, didn't, didn't deserve to be there. You know, like, he is – like he's that guy. I think I saw him knock down a couple threes, and he already came in with like the um the the pedigree of being a shooter. But like so confident, I think somebody could step up in a major way for Boston potentially. Lord knows they're gonna need anything off that bench. Just you know, real time focus there. Um, but yeah, that's that's a positive performance. I just every time I heard Aaron Neesmith, I had to laugh because even watching the highlights of him, like anticipation of this podcast, I'm sitting there going like, "Wow, you wanted to, we were trading." We're going to trade Lou Dort straight up. That's what it was. <laughs> anyway, um, going back, though, yeah, he's a stud. Aaron Neesmith, you know, he's the pride of Boston, apparently, too. So, got to love him. If I'm the Thunder, I'm begging, I'm banging on the table trying to make that trade. <laughs> uh, every time I see dudes hit hang dribble pull-ups uh, without, like, with a hand right in their face, I just know they're too good for where they're playing. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., I've seen do that live. Uh, Jaden McDaniels did that on me once. So, like, you know, every time I see someone, like, like hang dribble pull-up, hand right in their face, doesn't matter. Like, you're too good wherever you're playing. Um, yeah. Not on Jaden McDaniels' level. <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding. yeah yeah uh he's got about eight inches on me so 
I mean, you, um, you should have blocked them, right? Just yeah, them. yeah. Uh, get into come on. Verticality. Come on. <laughs> okay, enough roasting me. Uh, Coop, I want to ask you, and I want to ask Stone this too. Um, what did you think of the other Boston guards playing? Uh, Peyton Pritchard and and Yal Madar and Yuhan Begarin. Um, I actually thought Boston was one of my favorite summer league teams. Uh, they just like they're just full of these guys who I'm like, yeah, that's probably an NBA player. Yeah, that's probably an NBA player. Like, so Coop, do you have any takeaways from from either of those three? Uh, I thought Begarin was the guy who really surprised me the most. Uh, I mean, other than Yam, obviously Yam looked ridiculous. Um, but I'll let Stone hit on that one. That's that's his guy. Uh, but Begarin really like. I didn't go too deeply into the film on him. He wasn't one of the guys who I was like really able to like, I, I watched a little bit of course, you know, but he, he came out and he looked a lot more ready than I thought he would a lot more NBA ready. Maybe it was a, I only watched like two Boston games and honestly I was watching Sharif Cooper <laughs> the entire time in that Atlanta game, but every single time he, he got the ball, he looked like he made the right decision. I thought, uh and he was really surprising uh Peyton Pritchard looked like Peyton Pritchard he did shooting things and yeah I'm not a big Peyton Pritchard fan I think he's fine but I like there are a lot more there are better guys out there I have to stand Peyton Pritchard because he's he's a Portland legend and Portland is adjacent to Washington so we like we like have mutual respect like Kevin Love my guy um but Stone, uh, I know, I know, we have to talk about Yamadar. Um, just, just let it out, my friend. Give, pour your heart out. What you thought about Yamadar? Uh, first of all, I will say my heart is broken because Yamadar will not be coming over this season. Uh, signed back with Europe, so that was, um, you know, a real downer for my day. But uh, watching him in summer league with Peyton Pritchard, um, with their shaved heads, it looked like two guys coming out of military boot camp. But um, they played like it, too, though. They were super gritty defensively. Um, those guys are a lot of fun to watch. Um, but Madar's defense, man, like, we, we talk about Garuba as, like, highlight real defense. But, like, Madar as a, as a guard defender is, like, highlight real guard defender defense stuff. Like, he's got some real highlight plays on that end. Um, and that's not very often you say that about a, a guard, like, being, you know, a, a highlight real defensively. Um, offensively, there's more, more work to be done there. So I assume that's, that's sort of the, uh, why they were sending him back to Europe, stashing him a little longer, but <clears throat> like him and him and Pritchard, even though I'm not the biggest Pritchard fan, they complement each other really well. Um, like being a backup backcourt pairing, uh, is really intriguing to me because they, they seem to like cover a lot of each other's weaknesses. So I I'm hoping that next season we, we kind of get a glimpse of that uh <clears throat> and then Begrin um I was pretty high on Begrin uh at least as being like a, a a solid draftable guy I know some people um were targeting him maybe as more of an undrafted guy but I really liked him like in the late 40s area um and he's still super young you know he's, he's not going to come over this year but um defensively he really impressed me he had um, he did a lot of the same things he did in France, um, being that guy who uh, can be a chase down block artist at six five, 
Um, and he's big, he's built big. And I think he's better off utilized as a wing. Um, I know he's been sort of labeled as a guard most of his career, but he does a lot of wing things, especially defensively. Um, and he's pretty versatile on that end. So I really like what the Celtics have done as far as their draft and stash candidates uh, throughout the draft. I just want to say that Stone has officially declared that Peyton Pritchard and Yama Dar are the next Kyrie Irving and uh, Marcus Smart. This oh is uh, this is set on the podcast. Um, and I can't confirm. Yeah, I can't. Uh, but uh, as, as I should have expected, uh, we spent a lot of time on uh, the Celtics. Um, so, Corbin, I just want to ask you, you know, Malachi Flynn, Tyrese Max, there's a ton of other sophomores who really impressed. Uh, I'd be remiss to not mention uh, Paul Reed, who also impressed. Also Trey a Jones, Trey Jones. Trey Jones, yes. Okay, we can go forever, but Corbin, <laughs> Like who who really stood out to you? Jalen Smith is my guy. We need enough name call. This is this is gonna get out of hand. Corbin, uh, who who are some sophomores that really stood out to you? Um, just like they're I don't know. This was this was a really solid. This was for most of them or for all of them. This was their first summer league. So who really stood out as like too good for their first summer league? Demias Ramsey. Uh, you know what, Stone, I was about to say him, but honestly, <laughs> I'm fine. Um, you got to go with Devontae Kaycock for this guy. I mean, he clearly, no, I'm fine. Um, I liked him, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, Kaycock, <laughs> Kaycock had some moments, you know, he fouls like every minute. But, like, you know, I, I was impressed with him. He rolls hard in the basket. He's a man amongst boys in there. I mean, a lot of bigs that have been there a couple of years are. But, anyway, enough about him. He's good. He'll find the role. Uh, he played bigger than 6'7". There you go. Like, I saw him. I was like, okay. It was like, um, who's that guy that came off the bench for the Rockets, I think, that was an ex-Laker? Um, oh, my gosh. Don't blank on me now. Um ay ay ay. He, like, missed a dunk in horrible fashion. He did that, like, every year for the Lakers that year. Um I forget. I'll get back oh, to it. Doesn't are matter. You thinking, are you thinking? Um, oh, he like he was in that Chinese dunk contest, right? Where he like won by just doing like below the rim. Like I, I know exactly what you're talking I think, about. I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, not not um not Robert Sacre. Ah oh, man, I'm distracting. It's horrible radio. Okay, but I will get back. I'll remember. I'll remember. But um, I would have to say I really liked Malachi Flynn and I like Jalen Smith. Malachi Flynn, I think, had such poise out there. Um, he did like. I, maybe in my estimation, Jack had like a ton of shots. Um, but like he looked really good when he came down there settling the offense. I think specifically in the two games I watched when he was off the when he was coming off the bench or when he was not on the court to when he did come in, having somebody that could kind of play and, and kind of funnel through. I liked the the way that he came and played. And I'm also kind of high on Flynn as a general rule. Um, Jalen Smith, too. And maybe I'm reading, I'm hyping too much into that, but I think he's a chance to play a significant role in the center rotation next year. Um, among their bigs, you know, with Sarge being out and Kaminsky being your third guy, and of course JaVel McGee being a backup to DeAndre Ayton. But like maybe we could see him play some four. I think defensively he still has a little bit of work to do, but offensively that shot's really gotten better, and so is his confidence in taking that. Um, at least from what I saw in summer league, like high volume, um, pretty decent uh success rate. And I, I think he did really good as a pick and pop big. So that is someone that I I really put an eye to. Um, specifically in terms of, wow, okay, I see some more improvement over now than I did, you know, the year before. And that can like, tr- that can maybe um, translate into uh, not a bigger role, but but a more substantial role next season. And it was Tariq Black. That's who it was. That's who it was that like, yeah, yeah. there you go. I was so there. confused. I, there we I, go. <laughs> okay. I, I love Tariq. Huh? 
Tariq is a Rockets legend. I yes, love that okay. guy. You know what's funny, Cooper? Okay, so I'm sitting next to you. Um, are you guys familiar with uh, Nima? Yes. Um, yes. There yes. you go. So me and I Nima watched a lot of games. Yeah, Nima's dope. And so I was like, oh, there's, you know, Tariq Black. And I'm like, Lakers legend. He said Rockets legend at the same time. I went, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we had him first. He was missing yeah, dunks with us from the jump. <laughs> no. Hey. We, we agreed to share him, and so I guess we'll agree to share him on this. Yeah, show. we can we can agree to share him. He was he go. was awful in his Wasn't he playing? There was some former Rocket I recognized playing in summer. He, no, he was playing. Yeah. He was okay, playing. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be I, him. Too. I think it was for the I think it was I, maybe it wasn't for the Rockets. It was def, I think it was for the Rockets, actually. Like their summer league team. Let I me tell you, man. You talk about we bring up Alfred Signal just one more time. Like you talk about bigs who aren't really big who play like they're big, but it only reminds me how small they actually are. <laughs> like like he was oh, like yeah. the poster child of that. <laughs> yeah. Tari was like he was like six eight, six nine, yes. right? And then he looks every inch of it and then you put him next to a big man and he's he's like kind of he's kind of strong kind of buff yeah, and he looks like, tiny he yes. looks tiny oh let it's me just awful. say now now he's he's definitely rounded out i'll just say i'll just leave it at that okay <laughs> all right Brandon that's Dennis all i'm gonna say all right oh he, he got the exactly uh the kj mcdaniels treatment <laughs> <laughs> yeah man, this is exactly I mean, how this podcast was always gonna go um no no no, we are not okay. calling random 15th men on old teams anymore. Oh, but, is... but, okay, to bring it back, Malachi yep. Flynn okay. could be like a, a really important piece for the Raptors this year and moving forward. Um, he's a pick and roll savant. Um, and, you know, th- throughout the summer league um, and last season, he he got stretches where he got hot and um, – now that Kyle Lowry has left, uh, it's going to be up to him and Fred Van Vliet to sort of hold that backcourt down. And he's still like a really good defender, but like the, the Raptors just loved undersized small guards. You can play defense. Um, and they're keeping that trend going with, uh, with Malachi Flynn. So I'm really excited to see what he can do with the Raptors because I think he's um, <laughs> a lot of people are going to know his name. I think after this season, uh, even though it's, he's not much of a household name uh, this year. Um, one other guy I wanted to ask you about, too. Well, we're just throwing out names here uh, over and over again, because uh, that's that's pretty much what we're known for at this point. Um, Isaac Okoro, uh, even though he might have, um, you know, not put up, like, massive numbers, I think he really impressed me as a guy who, um, like, as a guard, like, he looked like, comfortable like being a lead guard at times um so i'm not sure if you caught any Cavs games uh, or what you thought of him but he was somebody that caught my eye uh even though i don't care much about what guys do in summer league <laughs> i'm not gonna lie he's the one guy i really didn't get a lot of chance to look at i'm planning on doing okay so it's weird like i did a lot like prepping for this and also just in general but i plan on taking the dog days of summer coming up now and using my league pass to full effect and diving back into some to catch up on those so hey, you're he's definitely great. on my list <laughs> Okoro, his he looked great getting into the lane. Like he would just force his way in there through like force of will, and then just slam it on people's heads and get just bully guys on offense and defense. He was he was killer. What I love about Okoro, uh, I have a weakness for uh, dudes who are just built like brick shit houses. Like I don't know what it is. They're always higher on my board. Uh, and that's Isaac Coro. He's so strong. He's so buff. Absolutely an all-handsome team member last year. 
Um, just like like he's six six, but he plays like he's six nine. And I don't mean that in that he plays like a big. I mean that in that he's just like he might as well be just bigger than everyone else. Um, he can guard wings really well, and I just I really liked him as a passer in summer league. I thought he looked really really composed out there. Um, also Malachi Flynn, Tacoma legend. I just want to. Uh, that's my guy. Um, before we get out of here and or move on to the next question, I should say, um, I want to ask Davis about uh, the two sophomores on his team that really impressed me. Uh, Stick Smith obviously looked really good, uh, looked really, really good as a shooter um, and is still just tall and long. He, he's still a little lost defensively, but I really liked how he looked as a shooter, a lot of confidence, and he's also pretty athletic. Um, but Tyshawn Alexander looked really, really good. Um, and he might be someone who's even more a part of like that. Ne the next question we're going to do about sort of the back end guys, but he looked good enough to me that I would consider, you know, maybe backup rotation minutes for him. Davis, what did you think of those two? Oh yeah, uh, Jalen Smith. It's kind of we've kind of like been expecting. You know, we took him at ten, so. Um, we're kind of like we're expecting to, to see this. So it was good. It was really good to see. Um, he was able to stretch to stretch the floor. He, he he was taking the shot confidently. I know like one or two games, it didn't really fall um, for him, but he was still taking them. He didn't let, you know, the misses really get to his head or affect his, his shooting motion or anything like that. Um, but every game, he was a really good rebounder, getting the lane, um, which is which is kind of what, the Suns need to. Um, so I, I can actually see Jalen Smith playing a role um, this year. And then Tyson Alexander, I, I've actually, I liked him last year and we got him um, in, in undrafted, but I've actually had him stashed in like this, this fantasy, I mean, this um, dynasty league I was in uh, this year. I had him stashed since last year. So, uh, but it was really good to see him improve too. We can use another, another kind of, Defending guard, um, we got rid of Javon Carter, um, who I really like defensively. Um, but Tyshawn can really, really fill that role at least, play, play you know, a few minutes a game. Um, and he's he's a lot bigger and, and longer than, than you know, uh, Javon too. But I liked what I saw from from them too, for sure. Um, outside of that, it was kind of a, a brutal summer league roster for, for the Suns. But um, Jalen Smith showed out, which is really what what I was hoping for, and then and then Tyshawn was a bright spot. Um, I can see both of them, both of them actually getting getting some minutes, um, especially if if injuries happen. I think the Sun summer league roster is a, is one of those perfect examples of why you have your you generally have your player development coach coaching that team. Um, I can't remember who they were playing, but for one of the last possessions, uh, I think it was Suns Kings. I could be wrong. Um, but for the last possession, they were down uh, three and they had to get a tying shot and they let Jalen Smith run off a pin down to take that shot. Yeah. And he missed it. Yeah, it and was... he missed it pretty bad. But I think it instills a conf confidence in a player when you're like, you're the best shooter and you're going to take this shot. You're our guy here. It's not the shooting specialist from, you know, I don't, I think Dakota Mathias was on the jazz, but you know, lots of times like guys like that are going to be given that shot. Right. Or even Tyshawn, you know, as sort of, he was sort of the star of that summer league team, but to, to have them give that shot to Jalen Smith, I just think uh, 
can can really can really be a subtle thing that boosts players' confidence. Um, even though he he missed it pretty rough. Um, but were there any other sort of sophomore standouts you guys wanted to hit on uh, before we move on to the the final part of this vlog? Devin Vassell. Tyrell okay. Terry. Uh, I was not impressed by Tyrell Terry. He <laughs> he really still struggles to dribble. He just he has the Jalen Suggs issue minus all the Jalen Suggs athleticism. He just like I I really really worry that. Um, I never really got the hype on Tyrell Terry. I can't remember where I had him ranked, but I just – I really worry he just – he he doesn't provide enough of anything outside of shooting to, to ever be a valuable player. Um, I don't know if you guys have any have any takes on that, but I'm just I, – I just thought the handle still – and that that Mavericks team was abysmal and really could have used someone to take handling duties, and, and he couldn't do it. Um, I felt like Robert Frank dribbled better than him out there. Um, and I love Robo, but uh, that's that's not a great endorsement for your 31st overall pick. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on Tyrell Terry as a ball handler. <laughs> I I don't have any thoughts on him specifically uh, uh, as a right. ball handler. <laughs> all right, Coop, then, then go <laughs> ahead and go with Devin Vassell. Yeah. So back to the important stuff. Uh, Devin Vassell in the equivalent of two preseason games of Summer League, uh looked incredible as a shot maker uh he also had a couple shots where he looked awful and got swatted but it's like what you were talking about give that guy the confidence give him the shots and he made some ridiculous ones he would be fading he'd get his release his arms are so damn long and he just get it right up over over the defender and just fling it right in and it would look awful coming out of his hand it would go right in it was awesome. Uh, his defense didn't always look great, uh, but he was also, I swear, shooting like 40 pull-ups in, it, in each of those games, so you can't really blame him. But I, I think, I don't know. I loved him last year, and I love him even more after uh, his little stint in summer league. Yeah, uh, I was incredibly high on Devin Vassell. Um, Corbin, you came on to talk about the Spurs. So did you get to watch any any Spurs? Obviously, our boy Trey Jones went off. Um, Devin Vassell looked good. Uh, how, how did you feel about the Spurs? I mean, I like their roster in some league better than I like their actual roster, I guess, for the most part. So, I mean, there you go there. Um, I really watched the game and a half, so I, I can't give, like, a whole lot of, you know, Straight up, this is what I observed. Uh, aside from what you guys said, I mean, Vassell definitely looks a lot more polished. Um, and yeah, Trey, Trey went crazy. I think those two will be um, worthy additions, I guess. I mean, worthy additions moving up. I'm a lot more excited uh, potentially for Vassell's um, contributions, given that he's no longer, you know, a rookie than Trey's, just because, you know, who's coaching and the team that they kind of have, which is just really funky as all get out. Um, but I, I did like what I saw for sure. And, and, and it's funny, they have... If this, oh, I'm just going to say it. If the Spurs were only to really just commit to rebuilding right now, like whatever this is, just go and give these young guys some run. They have a lot of intriguing guys that, you know, can really at least flash potential and see what becomes of them. Right now, it's again it to hold their back a lot because we have the cell who's just showing more flashes, become more and more of a player. We still know what Lonnie Walker is. You know, John Timur is the one known. Keldon Johnson's there. We know he's good, but can get better. It's just, it's going to be a long game of guys that are like, wow, they could be really good if we actually saw them play like consistently. So that's my beef on that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I did like, there was a few guys up there that impressed. Yeah. 
Everybody listening really thought that we would go a whole podcast and not mention Kai Jones. I mean, come on. Um, He had some fantastic highlight plays. Oh my gosh. It was, it brought, it made a grown man weak, uncontrolled. I was, oh my gosh. It was amazing. Imposters and the first step. Yikes. I can't believe everyone listening thought we would have mentioned him, but here we are. (laughs) It was like from the dotted line, dude. That was nuts. That was too easy. Easily, too. Easily. And then he had that that one where he could have gone up for a dunk and instead did a wraparound pass. Like, there's a reason we had Kai Jones number. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's he he is a like a beautiful player to watch. It's it's so fun. Oh my gosh, that the Hornets are gonna be top top team this year in terms of entertainment. Him and Scotty Lewis are just the uh, the duo of the future. <laughs> wow, and. JT Thor Erasure, right yeah. There. Uh, Grant Riller, of course, a sophomore we could talk about, but uh, is, is now on the Philadelphia 76ers at, on a two way. Um, oh, horrible oh. move for the no, okay, <laughs> and that that's a sign it's time to move on. Uh, this is going to be the last segment of the pod, and we can go kind of quick here because this is uh, this is definitely the, the most on brand upside swing thing we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about a ton of people most people have never heard of, um, and that's what we're here for. Um, for me, like I mentioned, at the, uh, I, I think that was at the top. It might have not been. It's all jumbled in my head now. Um, but a lot of what I do at Summer League is I try and scout, like, who are some back-end sort of guys who I think could really step up and, and potentially fill NBA roles in the future. Um, I have a couple names that really stood out to me uh, as sort of, like, I would give these guys a two-way or I would give them a roster spot. Um, and I think that they can fill a role. Um, and those guys are Evie Watson, Jarrell Brantley, Paul White, Ishmael Wainwright, who already got a full contract from the Raptors, and, and uh, the legend Giannis Tima. Um, and those, those guys all show my brand in that they're all wings who just kind of uh, – they kind of play defense. They're kind of good shooters sometimes. Or in, in two of their cases, they're just – they're built like absolute fucking behemoths. Um, like they are just – like Jarrell Brantley is just like nuts. The dude is yoked. Um, but, uh, so those are guys that stood out to me. So I just kind of want to get everyone's take Corbin. I'll throw it to you first. Like, were there any of those sort of back end roster guys who, who really stood out and you're like, Oh, that's probably an NBA player, even if they're not on a contract yet, or if they're on a two way, just were there any of those type of guys? So the one guy I saw like most notably was, uh, Jarrell Brantley. And I feel like he's on like my top five list. If I were to make a team of guys who, you don't think are very good, but you would never tell them like, Hey, I don't think you're very good. Um, Brantley is like, I, <laughs> if he came to me, I'd be like, dude, you're a star, man. Like Utah built around you, buddy. Let's go. Um, but <laughs> because he's not here, um, I don't think he is. Um, in fact, I don't really even know what he is. I think that he's like, aside from built from a tank and very, you know, physically intimidating, even from a TV screen. I um, don't really know what he does on the basketball court that intimidates me at all. Um, you know, as a five, I think that's maybe his best position because defensively he's just kind of like lost, but as big as he is like just built, he's not exactly like that tall. So it's not scary there. Offensively, man, he's a mess. I mean, he's not someone who offense, like he has skill. Like you can see that he wants to like be like a playmaking forward or have that type of thing. Um, but it just didn't come together. Like, I mean, I've, like, I saw bits and pieces and, like, 
the numbers cumulatively must be horrible because all I saw were like turnovers and missed shots. And I was just like, I remembered him because I remember him from like the first summer league where I think he had a much better experience. It's been two years now, but like, I remember it being a lot better if, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and this one, he just, it, it was the opposite of Monte have it all. He, he didn't have anything in my opinion. Yeah. So the story with Brantley, the summer league was that he couldn't hit shots. Um, he's always been kind of lost defensively if he's not guarding the person with the ball. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, he gambles a lot. He's, he's he's a really solid on-ball defender, especially for, like, there's not a lot of them in summer league, so he didn't get to show it off. But, like, he actually looks really good on, like, ball-handling wings. Um, but he just – there's not a lot of those in summer league, so you're kind of, like – and he's not quick enough for guards. Um, but he finished a lot around the rim. He, like, got a good amount of post-up usage where he was – he just turned it over a lot. Like, he was clearly trying to play outside of his bounds, but it really – you know – when you're talking about these, these low end guys, right. It really is all about swing skills and it is that jumper for him. Uh, he's flashed moments where he hits it really comfortably off even some movement, but he just, he was hitting nothing but back rim here. Uh, and that's like every shot was back rim. It was really, no matter where he was at, it hit the back rim. It was nuts. Um, that was, that was the story for Joe Brantley, but I was still impressed by, by just the sheer physicality he has like a part of me just, if I was building a team, just, I want to take a bet on that guy, like find something, figure something out because he does get to the rim really easily when he's put up, when smaller players are guarding him. Um, he's a good finisher. It's just, it's just really all about that jumper, but um, Coop, I'll throw it to you. Were there any of these sort of back end roster guys that, that stood out? Us, there are three and I'm going to go entirely on brand and say that they're all connected to the Rockets somehow. Uh, Rio Grande Valley Viper legend, Trevelyn Queen, uh, looked awesome Trevelyn, for the yeah. Lakers summer league team. Uh, as, as Stone probably knows, uh, I think I think he was the best guy on their team, far and away. Kickoff. He, but... he, no, no, no. <laughs> 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 he, his defense is incredible. I watched him, you know, also at the start of last season because he started last season off as a rocket and he moves really well. He can stick with guards. He can also stick with wings that are, you know, aren't too massive. Uh, he's pretty strong for how string beanie he looks. Uh, I think it's also the, the socks that come up to his calf, um, but he, he cannot, he's a great cutter. He's great in movement and in transition and he's a passable shooter. And that's the kind of player literally every single team needs, you know, to come off their bench and just soak up minutes and be pretty good. Uh, another guy is Armani Brooks, uh, Houston legend. Uh, hopefully he'll get signed to the Rockets, but if not, somebody needs to sign him. Uh, had some electric shooting games after he got out of protocols. Had the greatest shot in all of Summer League, other than the Cam Thomas one, where he comes off of a pin down and hits a movement three to put the Rockets up three over the uh the cheating trailblazers that brought like 14 year nba veterans to the summer league and that didn't even make the finals absolutely theory. humiliating theory on that yeah yeah so so dame did say he wanted the blazers to build a championship roster <laughs> did the best he could he just brought the wrong bets to the wrong team <laughs> <laughs> I Manuel think that's Moody the championship roster. <laughs> like a summer, a so summer league championship, you mean? 
Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> he said, yeah. all right, you want a championship, I'll bring you one. Now he dropped the ball on that too, but he yeah. dropped it. <laughs> yeah, no, that... Exciting Michael Beasley to your summer league team doesn't make you request a trade out. I don't know what will. Hey, honestly. hey, Stone, you know, okay, listen, hey. he's one of my top five, right? I don't know if hey. you can see my phone screen, but I keep my Mount Rushmore. And oh, oh, there you, you see him? There you go. There he is. He's in there. I love him. Hey, anyway, that, you're right. That though. is absolutely that is absolutely <laughs> right. Um, Laker legend Michael Beasley. That's, that's incredible. Uh Cooper, give us, give us your third guy. Oh, my third guy is another Rockets legend, Daquan Jeffries. Played about <laughs> made a couple of games with the team last season. Uh looks very tough. Um looks great as like a pseudo four in that weird Spurs way. Didn't super pop, but he got to the rim and bullied guys there. And that's something that the Spurs could, I think, really use or, you know, any other team. (laughs) He's awesome. So you brought up Trevor and Queen and I brought up someone like, like Paul White or Evie Watson. I think we're always doing this interesting thing where we're asking the question, uh, can this guy be Royce O'Neal? And that's, I know that sounds weird, but Royce O'Neal is sort of the the prototypical player who was like, you know, he's like six four and long. Like, there's some promise there, but he's not really great at anything. Is he a passable shooter? Is he an okay athlete? Um, you know, and, and I think there's there's like you should be taking bets on the next Royce O'Neal. You know, as weird as that sounds, because. Royce O'Neal is so valuable. I don't know if ja- non-Jazz fans know, but, like, like the team literally had no perimeter defense outside of Royce O'Neal, um, and he shoots well. And, like, if you can find a Royce O'Neal, that is an incredibly valuable player to get without having to spend a draft pick. Oh, he's um, found he, he was in Summer League, actually. His name is Zylan Cheatham. Um, <laughs> give, it, give it, Stone. Let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, if you're not a fan of Zion Cheatham, then you shouldn't be listening to this podcast because Zion Cheatham is like, he is that sort of guy to me where I think if he gets a role on a team, he can be sort of that valuable role player who defends and rebounds at a high level. Like, um, and you, I mean, it's going to sound harsh, but realistically, like you're picking off of the scrap heap at this point, if you're looking for your, you know, 13th or 15th guy on the roster spot. So why not take a chance on a guy like Zylan Cheatham who can be of value in a Royce O'Neal type role? He is uh, like an undersized wing, but um, or, or forward, but he's somebody who I think, um, if given the proper uh, context, can be um, a, a valuable wing defender and somebody who can um, provide uh, high-level rebounding for his size. And, and not shoot terribly. Like, he knows where his strengths are, um, and he, he's able to capitalize on them offensively, uh, even though he, he's not polished necessarily on that end. So I'm a big Zion Chetham fan. I, w- I think I had him as draftable in whatever year he declared, so I'm still rooting for him, so it's probably a bit of bias, but I'm really hoping that some team eventually picks him up. But my, my hopes are tempered. So I don't want to nitpick uh, the back of the roster guys here, but uh, my issue with Zion Cheatman is that he can—he just legitimately cannot make decisions. Like he—he—he he, he is. You cannot trust him to make any real. He tries to dunk everything, like everything, because and not. Can. And I don't mean that in like the in like the fun. He's just more athletic than you. Every like 
like way like he just it's like he doesn't know when he can't so he just tried it's please uh refrain from mini Giannis, uh erasure because this is hurting my heart right now okay we we, we will move on uh davis do you want to give me your your back end roster guy that's really impressed you um yeah well i i brought up on earlier uh the pod that Jacquari McLaughlin from the Warriors was one that really impressed me both def- defensively and offensively. He, he looked really confident, um, controlled. Uh, he just, just, just really, really, imp- I think he was like the third best player on the, on the Warriors outside of the, the two lottery picks, of course. Um, but another one was, was Dejan Giroux, uh, from the heat. He had, he, he really impressed me. He did it all. He, he was a solid rebounder. He had a, a few games. I think he even had a close to a triple-double game. Um, probably should have had one. Um, I believe his teammates did miss a few few open looks. But, um, he, he, yeah, he, he does it all. He, he's really good defensively, too. Um, he's really long. But he, I definitely think he can crack a, crack a rotation. So I don't know about the Heat. They are kind of deep. But um, I think another team – or any team, honestly, is worth he's worth giving the shot. And then uh, I think my last one is like McKinley Wright. Um, he couldn't really kind of struggled uh, offensively, like the, the final few games of the Timberwolves, but uh, really showed out defensively. I think at least guard defense, a little short to to switch on to probably forwards. But um, as far as defense goes and Minnesota, that's exactly what they need. So uh, I, I don't think. Uh, McKinley right would be bad there yeah so there's one other player uh, who actually kind of impressed me on that heat team he's a big center who shoots but uh I'm not giving him any press because he he blew us off for an interview so uh no no love there no but uh before we get on here (laughs) we have to ask Corbin about um the immediate meme the immediate meme of Giannis Tima you mentioned you saw uh you mentioned you saw the magic play did you get to see Giannis? Because, like, I'm actually, like, I was actually, like, really impressed with him. I was surprised. Like, he looked really good as a shooter. He made a lot of really good rotations, um, was a smart passer. Like, I actually really like Giannis Dima. I thought he was probably worthy. Like, he's probably worthy of a roster spot. But he's also just a hilarious meme uh, because he he looks like like 60-year-old Slim Shady. Uh, so, Corbin, <laughs> do you have any takes on Giannis Dima? I was shocked. I didn't know he was a real person. Like when I first saw him, I was like, like you know how you have those. It was one of those actors you might find in like one of those basketball movies that try to be realistic, or it's that one randomly cast person, like a like Mike type thing. Um, it was different. It was definitely different. Um, his hair is it's a choice. I'll say that. Um, as far as his game, um, yeah, I mean he got some sneaky athleticism. I hate to say sneaky athleticism. I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite term. Just say, just say he's white in conjunction. Listen, so listen. The no, amount okay. of times, the amount of times I've been told, I so I used to when I used to play, I could dunk in layup lines, right? Mm-hmm. And the amount of times people would tell me, "Oh, you're kind of a sneaky athlete," just <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. I'm like, I'm not a sneaky I'm athlete. Sorry. I'm just white. It's, I'm just no, white. It's, no, my it's fault. Just, no, you're good. <laughs> Let it's me just good. say the better thing to say is that if, to take what you just said. He looks like he could be a sneaky athlete. Like he has that. Like he looks white. Like he just comes in. You're like, oh, okay, here he is. But he, he's solid shooting. Solid shooting. Um, look, look at the numbers. They back it up. Like 
saw a clip. He's like, what, 28, 29? I guess he's known for this. So, like, I mean, listen, you know, I don't know if he finds a way on the team. I mean, Orlando has, like, uh, no shortage of guards, but they do have a shortage of shooting. So, you know, if something works out, boom. But um, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was hilarious to see him there. I'm not going to lie. Like, it was definitely – you know, like, wow, okay. But, like, if you look at him in terms of, like, you know, solidly built, like, 6'8", like, we're talking, like, Alperin Sangoon size. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it looks like a player, for sure. I think the problem is his, his hairstyle and stuff kind of detracts from that. He's if, like a Dennis Rodman presence. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, if, <laughs> if basketball doesn't work out, um, he can join Chris Anderson in, like, a Sons of Anarchy extra role or something. Hey, um, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Even some modeling. Who knows? You know, though, I will say, like, he would probably help the Lakers more than Carmelo Anthony, though. So, I mean, we're going to end there. Oh, man. Couldn't help the Lakers more than Carmelo Anthony. Be real with me. I can help help the Lakers Lakers more than Carmelo Anthony. Listen, listen. Uh, I'm sorry. Matt McClung. Notice I did. I I was not impressed with Mr. McClung. Right? More like Mr. McClung. That's something all five of us can agree to. (laughs) Everyone, Everyone memed me because when I posted my board, the only person, so I had a, I had like 270 players ranked, but from 189 and below, it was not prospects. And the only one that showed up in the screenshot was Mac McClung. <laughs> so everyone thought I had a tier that was just Mac McClung as not NBA prospect like, uh, at the very bottom. But yeah, he, he's, uh, he's not an NBA prospect. He just, um, he's, he's very bad, uh, but I hope the best for him. And this, this has been awesome. Uh, we've gone, a very long time and we've taken up so much of Corbin's time and we can't think of not him. He's seriously, he is seriously Please one of the so. best people on draft Twitter. Uh, he does, he does excellent work. He's constantly putting out work. It, uh, it's, it's nuts. I can't believe uh, his work ethic is insane. Uh, his you, summer man. league tweeting was great. Corbin, <laughs> just let the people know where they can find you, where they can find all your work. Um, just, just plug yourself to your heart's content. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you guys for having me on. Definitely enjoy it. Uh, big fan of the show. Like I keep saying it, but like, I really am. Uh, you guys did some really real quick, like those deep dives in the Eastern conference, Western conference, like, yes, superb. Love it. Okay. But aside from that, um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. I mean, that's, that's what I am. Just random ramblings. Um, speaking of ramblings, that's the name of my podcast, round ball ramble. So Definitely make sure to check that out. I'm going to have a lot of stuff coming out over the next couple of weeks. Um, trying to keep it going along with some off-season stuff, and we're going to go history, deep dive into some past players and teams. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, but aside from that, that is really it. I'm just happy. I, you know, I love folks. I love hoops, and this is a great mix of both. I love you guys. So thank you again. Thank you so much. So Round Ball Ramble, just really quickly, like, is legitimately one of the best uh, podcasts out there. It's, it's always interesting. It's always smart. I, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I, I cannot, I cannot get enough. Um, but with that being said, um, Cooper, of course, is at Cooper Rockets. Uh, Stone is at report underscore court. Davis is at sports by Davis. I'm at Bryce under 14 on Twitter. This has been excellent. I want to thank Cooper again. We want to thank you all for listening. Uh, after that, after that crazy 30 team preview thing we did, we've, our, our last couple pods have done really well. So it's, it feels really good to kind of be rewarded for that um so yeah thank you all for that uh we hope we are ceiling thank you